everyone and welcome to this episode in which we talk about fear, uncertainty and doubt and then a quick tangent on aliens and then resurfacing the environmental debate on Bitcoin energy consumption as well as just mining in general. So we we brought to attention one specific cryptocurrency called Chia because we were requested by one of you or our audience to bring uh, some light onto you know how it is uh, said to be or labeled to be a green cryptocurrency. And we brought some light to some more nuanced arguments that we may not have addressed in our previous episode on the entire environmental debate. Along with that, we also talked a bit more about the petrodollar. So we recommended it in a previous episode, but we're recommending it again that you go and read about what the the hidden cost of um, using the fiat system, the world reserve currency is. And we wrap it up with realigning our purpose for the show, for well, the way that we live with our money. And that is that we're here for Bitcoin. We are here to opt out of traditional finance and we are here to just live a completely different financial lifestyle. And that was that. We had a lot of fun talking about this and we hope you enjoyed this episode. All right, let's start. The thoughts and opinions expressed by Keegan Francis, Murgakshi Palway, and the guests interviewed on the Go Full Crypto podcast are solely their own. The content discussed are intended to be for informational purposes only. The FUD. It's unbearable. Is it? Are you feeling it? Uh, I was feeling it. I was feeling it for, for a bit, but, you know, this is not my first rodeo. <laughs> it's not my first 50% drop in Bitcoin, so... Okay, FUD, for those of you that are hearing this for the first time, stands for... Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. I certainly got my fair share of messages from friends uh, saying, "Hey, like, hey, what's what's going on? You told me to buy in in January and February. Uh, what's what's up?" That's so interesting, Keegan. I think there's a very huge difference between um, your friends and my friends and the way that we've talked to them about crypto. Because uh, some of my friends messaged me with like memes that had this sort of saying that, oh, if you can't, cryptocurrency saying this as a person, um, saying, if you can't handle me in the good times, you don't deserve me in the bad times. So it's like, I think everyone that I have, every one of my friends is just like, yeah, okay, you know, this is normal. Well, <laughs> For the first time. Very level-headed friends. Uh, uh, yes, I do. Oh, okay. Cool. Are Appar you saying you don't? <laughs> Apparently <laughs> my friends are not as level-headed. No, but, but seriously, uh, okay, so I'm happy that my friends got in in general. However, they like you know that meme, I'm sure our listeners have seen this meme, and it's, uh, oh, Bitcoin's at 60K, gonna get in, finally, not gonna miss the train. Then it drops by 50%, and they're like, oh yeah, no, I don't know about this anymore. So it's like, <laughs> now that it's a better price, that's the time where you should be buying. There's a, there's a better saying that encapsulates this whole idea that I'm trying to put forth right now, and it's... Uh, be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. Yeah, but no one could have predicted this. So if someone no, so if someone bought Bitcoin at 60,000, they, they wouldn't have known that Bitcoin was going to go down to... 30,000. Right, US dollars. Yeah, US But, you know, it doesn't really matter. I've, I think that, I don't know how you converse with your friends, but I just tell them that Bitcoin, the price at which you buy really doesn't matter. Because on a long enough time scale, it 
is okay not going to matter on a long enough time scale and it's not going to matter in a short enough time scale either unless you're buying hundreds and thousands of dollars because that's when a few decimal points really make a huge difference right but if you if you're just buying a hundred dollars or thousand dollars yeah, or a couple say, thousand dollars yeah a couple thousand dollars at a time it really it does not make that big of a difference i mean it matters a little bit if you bought at thirty thousand rather sorry rather uh if you bought at sixty thousand rather rather than thirty thousand you literally get double the amount doesn't matter That's what true. what amount you're buying but very yeah, true yeah on a long enough time scale but then you scroll through twitter and you get all these messages saying, oh, Bitcoin's going to zero. Finally, uh, Ethereum's going to flip Bitcoin and, and take over. Um, but uh, I mean, we obviously haven't seen that happen. It, yeah. Well, actually, I was listening to one of the episodes on what Bitcoin did, the podcast. And um, Peter McCormack, the host, he was talking about how a lot of people emailed him. And there were some really upsetting and um, really you know, distressful stories of how People put their life savings into Bitcoin at its peak, and then it crashed. And now they're in a very, very hard place. Yeah, I, I saw something similar about Dogecoin. So people put this one post said, I just put my life savings into Dogecoin, and this was at the all-time high. And there's just this canvas of uh, tweets tweeting at Elon Musk saying, Elon, please tweet about Dogecoin. Like, I'm losing so much money. It's like, wow, that's really sad that actually is, oh yeah that's that's heartbreaking because i don't have the same kind of confidence that on a long enough time scale dogecoin's going up you know i don't know anymore because i again on 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 dogecoin twitter i was on elon musk's um twitter page the other day and he's investing into the better development of dogecoin for yeah. some reason and yep <laughs> I, that doesn't make sense to me. But hey, you know, if people believe something is valuable to them and they can use that as a medium of exchange to exchange whatever service they're offering, good for them. Yeah, well, we, we actually had a conversation about this a couple, a couple weeks ago with, uh, it, was about, it was about Elon Musk and it was, what was it? I was saying that, okay, he's on his own journey right now. Oh yeah, you, He you got were. turned on to Bitcoin in like roughly December. And then he's like, cool, I'm in. Bought one and a half billion dollars worth, you know, a, a measly 8% of the treasury of, of Tesla. And then he's like, huh, Bitcoin's not that scalable. It's not that efficient at processing transactions, which is like kind of the fallacy that that's like the primary utility of the network, right? Bitcoin, like that was what I thought too. Like, okay, Bitcoin's not an efficient system because it can't, it doesn't have a high transaction throughput. And then Elon Musk goes searching for something else that has a higher transaction throughput. Dogecoin is like, okay, this is a better system, better technology. But eventually, hopefully, he comes around and, and realizes what the true utility of, of Bitcoin is or a different utility. There's many different ways of looking at Bitcoin. Anyway. But by the way, um, transaction throughput is the measurement of how many transactions can be processed per second or per, I think per second is, yeah, the, per second is, is like the what is used. Measure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this particular episode for our audience is combating the FUD in the, in the ecosphere, the ecosphere? The cryptosphere. Okay. Just combating what people <laughs> have the, to say against Bitcoin. Yes. The fun in the ecosphere is, is global warming. <laughs> we don't want to cover that. We're not going to cover that. No, but so one of the indexes that people use to 
there's this really great website and it's the Bitcoin fear index. And I forget exactly what the URL is for it, but we're going to link it in our show notes. It's alternative.me slash crypto slash fear and greed index. But it's really cool. So they collaborate uh, or corroborate. They gather <laughs> tweets and posts and news articles and they do an analysis on all of this content. And then they spit out a number. They say how fearful is people are people um, of the news around Bitcoin at any given point in time. So two weeks ago, we were at the biggest fear index um, <laughs> since 2017 uh, or late uh, early 2018 when, when Bitcoin uh, hit its peak, its big blow off the top of it and then a big crash. So on the opposite side of fear is greed. So when we hit maximum greed, that's the blow off the top event that you should all be looking for. Um, that's that's when you know Bitcoin skyrockets, and the, the fear index indicates when people are are dumping it and, and Wait, Bitcoin's I, tanking. Wait, I I don't understand. Why is greed associated with the price of Bitcoin rising? Uh, well, like FOMO is the opposite of FUD, for example, right? Yeah, if I have a fear of missing out, then I'm greedy, and I'm. Gonna... Uh, I don't know if you can really. Uh, relate the two like that or correlate them equate them rather um i don't know if i can either but this site is doing it so <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah we were at extreme fear just a week ago and now we've uh dropped to to just just fear that's so interesting yeah okay next update will happen in nine seconds cool all right anyway um what, what's next Margo? what's the first thing that we want to tackle well, in today's episode you, I think we already started tackling that it's FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And I'm actually thinking that um, this this is not something that we should ever have to um, address with anyone that we talk to, with any of our friends, with our audience, because... Cool, it's a wrap. Yeah. Guys, stay tuned for, <laughs> for next episode. That's not what I mean, but, you know, I don't think that we are in the camp of um, wanting someone to, or us, ourselves, to sell... Bitcoin in the shorter term. You've said in previous episodes that Bitcoin is your retirement fund. Right. So it doesn't really matter what happens in the short term. This is something that Morgan Housel also states in the Psychology of Money book is a lot of stocks trade below the all-time high for a majority of the time. And there's very few moments in history where the growth of anything takes place. But we always forget um uh, like when something grows, we forget how long it has taken together or right. like that volatility is really normal. And it, he wasn't talking about Bitcoin at all. He was just talking about regular investments. So volatility is normal. How the market and how people react to what happens in the market is normal. It's going to happen. But if someone finds something valuable, it doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter to them. It it just They're just going to keep the thing that they think is valuable. So FUD is really something that I hope and I wish that none of our listeners are ever have to experience unless there's an alien attack or 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 like, you know, a tsunami or or something. Something that threatens our life. Like COVID, I think. Oh gosh. Weird tangent. <laughs> um yeah, anyway, FUD. I I like I don't really like to feel FUD. Fear. I, I don't like to feel fear. I don't like to be uncertain. And I certainly don't like to be doubtful. I, I want to have so much faith in the decisions that I have made is that it's fine however they turn out. And I don't want to keep doubting my decisions because that in, that in itself takes so much energy. And I want to be doing other things, which is why I'm, you know, letting this be on the side. And I don't want to, you know, continue to think about it. 
that's that's very well said. Thanks. Yeah, I'll echo that. Except the alien part. Except the alien part. <laughs> I don't think they'd admit it. if they us. ever were to come here. <laughs> well, which they have. They, right, exactly. <laughs> they might already be here. Um, I certainly hope, or I don't think that they would be attacking us. Yeah. <laughs> Who was it? Uh, we were talking to a couple of our friends the other day, and uh, we were talking about what's happening with Bitcoin. And then, and then I don't know what I said, but it was like, okay, if aliens come, I wonder what they would think of Bitcoin. Yeah, you thought you you said that if, if aliens came down, then the price of Bitcoin would crash. Oh yeah, that's what I said. I don't know that's why <laughs> you thought that would happen. <laughs> okay, that's when I associate fear, uncertainty, and doubt with Bitcoin because I'm uncertainty. That's maximum uncertainty at that point. <laughs> like, okay, aliens. No one knows what's going to happen now. Yeah, and uh, I think people are more familiar with having cash in their hand rather than having an internet because you know if alien technology, you know what. I feel like we're going on this tangent that is not super relevant and let's bring us back to the thing that we want to talk about. Right. So so as a cause of this fear, uncertainty and doubt that has, uh, I don't know, encapsulated the whole cryptosphere in the last two weeks, I've seen an increasing amount of attention and talk and articles about this one cryptocurrency in particular that is backed by Naval Ravikant and Bram Cohen. So Bram Cohen is the guy that or one of the individuals that built BitTorrent, uh, which is a, a precursor technology to, to Bitcoin. But now he's he's built this thing called Chia. And Chia is being called a green cryptocurrency. So a lot of this fear, uncertainty, and doubt all really started when, when Tesla was like, hmm, Bitcoin's not efficient. Or Elon Musk said this, he tweeted this, Bitcoin's not efficient, we're going to stop accepting it for payments. Uh, and then there's this huge tsunami of articles about all the other cryptocurrencies in the world that are green, green cryptocurrencies. And Chia is one of them. So I, we, I just want to talk a little bit about that Chia. That doesn't make any sense, uh, specifically because of the way that Chia is mined or the network of Chia is maintained. Go ahead, Keegan. Yeah, so people are, are able to dedicate hard drive space or solid state drive space to the network. Uh, it's called plotting. Basically, your computer, if you have room on your computer um, storage space, then you can mine Chia on your computer. Right. Yeah. Anyone can mine it, which is cool. That's enticing. That's uh, It seems more egalitarian than needing a, a warehouse of, uh, of computers to, to mine Bitcoin. Here is like one of the things I didn't really see mentioned in these articles that promote Chia as a green cryptocurrency is the fact that these hard drives and solid state drives, the price of them are being driven upwards which creates more demand, which tells the manufacturer of these uh, solid state drives and hard drives to go and build more of them, which of course, there's an environmental impact to them. So all of this is really just to say that I, I don't really think that there's such a thing as a green cryptocurrency. There's, there's, it's, it's a nuanced conversation rather than a black and white conversation. There's not one thing that's green and another thing that's not green. There, there's, everything is a mix of both. And it's really important to to look at the situation that way and to understand that when you're buying into something, uh, you're not buying into something that is completely green or completely not green, like like people would have you believe about Bitcoin. Uh, and then the second thing is that Bitcoin is like with, with its energy expenditure, um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's it's a bad thing. Like using lots of energy is not in and of itself a bad thing. Yeah, something that has been um, annoying me recently is reading um, the amount of 
clickbaity headlines that say, okay, Bitcoin's energy consumption is so huge. And then comparing um, the fact that because the, and Bitcoin consumes so much energy that it is ultimately bad. Because that makes, that, that just doesn't say anything at all. Because just because something is consuming energy, like Egan said, doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Because you need to get to the source of what that energy is coming from or what derives that sort of energy. So And also what it's being used for at the end of the day. So with respect to Chia, you know, stating the argument that Chia is a green cr cryptocurrency doesn't make any sense. Because, you know, if I was to mine Chia on my computer, I still have to plug my computer into the wall socket. And we live in an apartment building, so we get electricity from Nova Scotia Power, which... Burns coal. They burn coal. Well, yeah, there's a mix of like coal and whatever windmills sell to them. But, you know, I would say a majority of what we burn in order to get electricity in our apartment is coal. It is. So saying that Chia is green, I, it just doesn't make any sense. Because what is the source of the energy that is being used to mine Chia? If I'm doing it on my computer and I'm not off grid charging my computer with a solar panel and a windmill and a hydroelectricity or geothermal then it's not green. Then I'm not using a renewable resource of energy. I'm just using the socket that is available to me in my apartment building in a city, which comes from coal. Right. So all of this is just to say that it's more nuanced, right? It's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. I Like you said, I, I, re I really don't like to look at things in, in the black and white either, which is why, again, it's a very nuanced argument. You need to look at what is being sourced in order to determine whether or not it is bad for the environment. So I, I actually pitched this, uh, I got an email about Chia and they're like, hey, maybe you should do an article on this and, and talk about this on, on your podcast. So here we are. Um, but uh, also like it's a green cryptocurrency. So I think that's right up your alley. I was like, okay, maybe <laughs> not. So my reply to this person was actually about Bitcoin and how I think that Bitcoin is actually their best shot at accelerating the rate at which the world transitions into a green energy future. So I would, in this in this context, I would classify a green energy future as uh, as the scenario where uh, some significant percentage, let's just say 90% of, of the world's power is generated using green energy. Now, why, why would Bitcoin help accelerate us there? Well, it would help accelerate us there because it uses a lot of energy, because it has a huge demand and growing demand for energy and cheap energy. It's going to increase the rate at which we create green energy farms and adopt and, and the, the green energy, <laughs> essentially, right? So because it uses a ton of energy, we're going to build more and more of these farms to support um, support the Bitcoin network sooner, faster, larger, All bigger. Right. I want to introduce uh, a term here that I completely, I don't fully understand because I've heard it being used in so many different uh, sentiments when used in a sentence. So it's capitalism, right? So um I would say that the way that Bitcoin incentivizes people to maintain it is it's a very capitalistic approach. And um, when you're saying he and that Bitcoin is going to incentivize people to move green energy initiatives in order to move to a, like a greener mining, because the cheaper the electricity is, the more money you get to make. And that's where I get to, I feel like the capitalistic nature of Bitcoin comes into play because I agree, yeah. you're going to want to maximize profits. And in this case, in order to maximize profits, you're going to have to find the most efficient way to make this um, Collect huge, that energy and, yeah, and use it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the other thing, I was talking to someone earlier today and uh, they said that 
uh, Bitcoin will not only push energy, uh, green energy incentives forward for itself, but also for all of the large server farms that Amazon and Google and Facebook and Apple and basically any cloud service you use uses because th what they are is also just a huge farm of computers handling your data for you. Right. And so this brings us back to the conversation of, uh, okay, let's say an, a green energy feature that we want to target is 90% of our grid built on green energy. Well, we're not there yet. So we can't just turn off all of the devices today. We can't stop burning coal and fossil fuels today. We have to have a transition period. We have to build the infrastructure that will support our current society. And using less energy is definitely a part of that. But also, we do need to massively increase the, our ability to harness the, uh, the renewable energy that's all around us all the time. And the way that we do that is, is by, by pouring more resources into the things that, that increase the demand for the green energy itself, for uh, cheap energy. Yeah, and uh, like, I feel like this isn't talked about much, is, but the value that Bitcoin brings to people all over the world, especially in countries where you don't have access to financial institutions, that value proposition is never compared um, for or compared against the entire argument of, oh, Bitcoin uses too much energy. Like I've never um, seen a very balanced and diplomatic news article that says, yes, Bitcoin uses a lot of energy the fact where the energy comes from or where the source of that energy is nuanced. However, we have to take into consideration all of the value propositions that Bitcoin does provide to the world on a global scale. Hence, this should not be just shrugged off like a useless thing that we need to stop right now. Yeah, right on. That, that's well said. It, it is often the case that you read these articles and they're pretty one-sided and they don't draw into the conversation the the value proposition, the the, the the way that people are using it to enrich their lives. Uh, if people can take the Bitcoin, like El Salvador right now, um, Strike, if you're not aware of Strike.Global, they're about to take the world by storm. It's wicked. Um, I think I think their tagline is something, like, or their mission purpose is to have um, Bitcoin transfers or fiat to fiat transfers. So if I'm in, uh, yeah, Murgis just going to look this up so I stop butchering this. Oh. It's Strike.Global.me, I do believe. Mm. Okay. Nope. <laughs> strike that me that. Global? Yeah, strike. Strike. I think me. it's me that global that strike. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, it's the number one app in El Salvador, and it's a it's an app that works on the Bitcoin Lightning Network, and you can transfer any money anywhere in the world for free instantaneously, and it's uh it's the way that the Bitcoin network is is going to scale. Send okay. and receive instant international payments for less. We offer the fastest, cheapest, and most secure way to get instant remittances, as well as full access to the Bitcoin network. So this is the point. By the way, the URL is global.strike.net. Yeah, so we're going to throw <laughs> a link in the, in the show notes. Uh, the point is that El Salvador is actually home to one of the uh, larger populations per capita of unbanked individuals. Unbanked individuals are people who don't have access to financial services. And so that's why they decided to deploy the app there first. And this is not really spoken about. This is not covered. So it's not like, okay, Bitcoin uses tons of energy and it also helps people gain access to 
financial services, which then they can use to build wealth and improve the lives of them, the, them, their community, their children, and everyone around them. That's that part of the conversation is typically left out of the conversation. Well, that's because we're so reliant on something that quote unquote works for the majority that it if something else is going to come in and and change that up and uh, basically replace that. That's a very uncomfortable for a lot of people. So I actually want to bring the petrodollar back into this conversation. We talked about it a couple episodes ago. And yeah. um, I know that you did a little bit of research on that. So can you bring into attention the fact that the US dollar is not simply backed by the authority of the government, but it has put in very, I would say, intelligently some deals in place that makes it be backed by the thing that we're all so reliant on. Which is the thing that we're also simultaneously trying to migrate away from. Which is also the thing that we pull out of the earth and it is not a renewable resource of energy. Right. So fossil fuels or petroleum oil. Uh, so yeah, the petrodollar, what, what does that mean? And just for so our audience, uh, if you're listening to this section, I, I implore you to check out the show notes. And uh, it's, it's called Alex Gladstein's Hidden Cost of the Petrodollar. And there's a podcast on it. And if you enjoy reading, then uh, we'll link the article as well. And he really goes into into detail. And this is where I'm, I'm pulling the information from. So I'm going to do a semi mediocre job of laying this down. Uh, but I, I want you to go and, and check this out because it's actually really important to understand why Bitcoin is the thing that is dismantling the petrodollar. But in order to understand why Bitcoin, why it's important to have the petrodollar dismantled, you need to know what the petrodollar is. What the petrodollar is, is the agreement between Saudi Arabia, who holds more than 80% of the oil reserves of the world. Uh, they have a, a deal with America um, that if they're to sell oil to anyone, they must sell it for US dollars. Another way to say that is if, uh, if you want to buy oil from Saudi Arabia, you have to buy that oil with US dollars. And so that, in a way, backs the US dollar with the oil reserves, with oil directly. And so the momentum of the US dollar is not simply because America is the, the economic powerhouse of the world. It's because the whole world operates on oil. And of course, you're going to need the US dollar to buy oil, because if you don't have oil, your country doesn't get to go and move upwards in, in an economic sense. You don't get to have buses or public transportation or trains or airplanes or or, uh, or boats or anything. You don't get to have that without having oil. And if you don't, if you, to get the oil, you have to buy US dollars from foreign exchanges. And so that's that's kind of how that all works out. And now why, why this is a bad thing is because we're extremely reliant on oil. Therefore, we're extremely reliant on the US dollar. Therefore, the Federal Reserve, when they're printing all this money, $6 trillion most recently, actually, uh, that was just unveiled the other day, uh, there's there's a justification that they're going to be able to do this now and continue doing this in the future for as long as reliant on oil, right? So we're not going to be off the oil system until we're off the U.S. dollar system, or until we don't have any more oil, or until we don't have any more oil. But I feel like by that time we're going to already be past the tipping point. I think it was Switzerland. They were uh, they released a study the other day that said that if we don't really fix our situation by 2030, then it's it's kind of that's that's it. It's oil a renewable resource. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, I wanted to know how many uh, how much oil is still left to 
um, how many oil? How yeah. much oil do we still have in reserves? Okay, so if I was an oil tycoon, my uh, my my thought would, or like my argument against that would be, oh, we always thought that we didn't have enough oil, but we keep on finding more, which is true. They can like go into the ocean, like we have unexplored ocean territory that still has oil reserves left there. So I think that we'll still be able to pull oil out of the earth for a long, long, long time. But that's not the point. The point is that we're on a finite planet and the oil reserves will run out someday. And the sooner we transition to a green energy future, uh, the, the sooner we can stop ruining our oceans with plastic and oil and, uh, and our atmosphere and make it easier for people to breathe oxygen. Yeah. Wow, Key. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I didn't do a very good job of highlighting the petrodollar because I actually don't know that much about it. Um, and like I'm better at saying hey there's some facts over here that you should probably know about rather than i am like good at laying out the facts necessarily so right check out the show notes Go read look. yeah read alex gladstein's blog post on the petrodollar yeah and uh, just uh, arm yourself with another perspective on what supports your current money if your current money is the us dollar and it is the world reserve currency. So in some way, shape or form, all other currencies, I believe, are reliant on the US dollar. Oh, yeah, they absolutely are. Because so, every country in the world uses oil. <laughs> and, yeah. And so if, if your country uses oh, right. oil... right. And you need to purchase oil. You need to purchase it with US dollar. You can't purchase it with anything else. That's right. That's exactly right. Right. All right. Well, yeah. And that's something that you can use, you can use in an argument if you're ever talking to someone that says, well, Bitcoin is too... It consumes too much energy for to maintain itself. And I would almost say that, yes, you know what? We've covered this before too. Bitcoin does have its externalities or external influences that also need to be taken into consideration, which means, you know, mining Bitcoin does mean maintaining the hardware that mines the Bitcoin. And that has particles, not particles, particles, compounds, compounds that- come, Minerals. Minerals, That yeah. need to be mined under the ground. Just yeah. like those solid state drives and hard drives for, yeah. uh, for the- um, for chia, for mining chia, right? So it's it's a two not a two sided argument. It's it, a multifaceted, many different angles, many externalities. Very difficult to uh, to estimate accurately. But uh, I I'm more so like looking at things from a like a top down game theory perspective. Like what is if we try to extrapolate what's happening now into the future? Where do we see things going? What are the current trend lines that we can uh, rely upon and forecast into the future and one of those is okay energy costs going down why are they going down well because we're investing more into renewable energy sources well and then the bitcoin mining profitability equation says that it's not even just that it's because you can make more money off of energy that you are getting for free as a consequence of something else taking place right so with respect to oil you need to mine it out of the ocean floor or you need to mine it out of the earth but with respect to the sun for example for solar you get sun depending on where you are at least at least six hours a day if oh yeah depending on where you are yeah. we, we get it right now for in the more winter than in years. iceland you're getting it for yeah. one or two hours so solar day, wouldn't but... work very well there but geothermal does because the earth if the the earth, if is, the earth is warm yes it has <laughs> well if you know as long as we have a warm earth we're alive which means you can use the geothermal energy um in order to power whatever you need to power so there hydro is another one so as long as we we can use the consequence of something else taking place, like the consequence of us receiving sun, sunlight from the sun or 
the fact that the Earth has this really hot mantle that keeps most of us warm from the inside. Core. It has a very hot core. Did I say mantle? Yeah. That was wrong. I mean, I think the mantle is also warm. I know. I... <laughs> but, I mean... Not, oh my gosh. Not yeah. that we have to dig a, the core dig a hole right to the core. It's yeah. quite a bit <laughs> more hot than the uh, the mantle. Whoops. Whoops. Um, yeah. It's oh all gosh. good. I lost my point. Okay, so to, to conclude, we're actually going to... We're going to return to the purpose. Uh, so when we started this podcast, uh, we were super enthusiastic about cryptocurrency, but we, we told you about Bitcoin first and foremost. Why? Why did we focus on Bitcoin? Uh, we focused on it in this episode as well, and, and we said that it's the best chance that we have at dismantling the petrodollar, dismantling the US dollar, bringing down the current financial system and bringing in a new. And this is, this is one perspective, just similar to how I how I said that we can't turn on the green energy economy today because it's not ready. It can't support the entire earth today. That's the same thing with Bitcoin. It's going to take decades. It's going to take a generation or two for us to dismantle the financial system that's been building itself up for 350 years, right? The US dollar has been has been a currency for, for that long and it's just been about what? No, what do you mean it has been a currency for 350 years? The US dollar, the greenback, yeah, it's been a, been a currency, not in its current form. In its current form, like the petrodollar form that is in now, it's been currency since like 1975, I do believe. That's when the petrodollar came into existence. And that's when we started this grand fiat infinite money printing experiment. Okay, well, I wasn't born in North America, but 350 years? Yeah. Really? Are you thinking that's longer or shorter? No, that's, be? that's like, that's very long ago. I didn't know that. It hasn't been the world reserve currency since of then? Of course, but I didn't know that the US dollar had a currency called the US dollar that has been in place for 350 years. If you're talking about the kind of... Um, the kind of setup that we currently have in financial institutions. Like yeah, that's with, about 100 years old. With the way that we take credit from the future. Not even we, actually. Just governments have started relying on taking credit from the future. Which actually is, yeah, like you said, they're not very recent. Because the central bank in... or not, the, the, Like, banking in the United States was pretty decentralized until um, centralization was introduced from a couple of European... Um, immigrants europeans but that's what i read or listened to on the audiobook of the price of tomorrow i can help you out there so in 1912 uh, that was when the federal reserve act came into existence and the federal reserve act was when the uh, the decentralization of banks in the united states stopped so there was a bunch of independent banks that each printed their own u.s dollars that had to be backed by gold reserves and then the federal reserve came in it's like no 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 we're going to be the, the sole printer of money. We're going to give all the U.S. banks this one money. And no, then in I, 1930, I know, I know. they went off the gold standard. In 1971, they went off the gold. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember how we got off on this tangent. I think it was um, questioning whether or not the U.S. dollar has been in effect for 350 years, which I don't think it has because I don't remember reading that in any of my research. But if it has, which I don't think it has. Okay, so I'm just going to stop here. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so we started our podcast, you were saying, Keegan, and we've always been Bitcoin first because Bitcoin, at least like now, I see it as my money. Yep. Um, saved up for later. I, I really don't like calling it an investment. Um, and then there's other cryptocurrencies that either enhance us being able to use Bitcoin more efficiently or... Um, or live more completely inside the world of cryptocurrency exactly. and access better financial services. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out crypto.com. Oh. <laughs> Not sponsored. Not sponsored. <laughs> All right. 
Well... Yeah, this was a return to purpose. That was the point of this, this whole situation, this whole conversation about dispelling the FUD around Bitcoin. The FUD doesn't last. Bitcoin still produced blocks the entire time it was crashing, so Bitcoin doesn't care about its price. We don't care about its price short term. Long term, we're still very optimistic. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt is not seated within our souls. Uh, and uh, we're not making emotional decisions about the market. Uh, Bitcoin is the plan. Is It's not plan B, it is the plan. It is the plan that, the best plan that we have to, uh, to migrating the entire world onto a better financial system that is greener. And that's it. All I right. I think that's it. <laughs> Closing thoughts, Ruga? No, thanks for wrapping us up there. All right, well, thank you everyone for listening again. Our email is ready at GoFull Crypto. We have been loving the people that have been getting in touch with us, sending us very large emails. And yeah. uh, <laughs> we've had more and more of those. Keep, keep them coming. Keep them coming. We love talking to you. And with that, thanks for listening. Stay tuned and talk to you next week.